You're listening to Sportsnet Today on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Sure, you played it. Intros, intros gone. I can, I can start now. Okay, welcome. <laughs> today, a well-oiled machine. I am barely existing. Uh, my name is Peter Klein. Thank you very much for tuning in live from the DL Basement Systems downtown studios. This is Sportsnet Today. Over the next two hours, we will be, get this, yelling about the Calgary Flames. Uh, we also have a bunch of football talk coming up. Emily Sadler will be joining here in hour number one to go over last week in the National Football League. In hour number two, we will be joined by Maddie Rose to talk about the CFL as it is playoff time in the Canadian Football League. Uh, so we'll get Matty Rose's takes on all of that heading into semifinal weekend in the CFL with the Stampeders taking on the BC Lions and Montreal facing Hamilton. Your texts always welcome 960-960. A lot of frustration once again. I feel like today, like, I, I was a little frustrated last week with the team because we basically did the same show three days in a row. Like, hey, look at that. The Flames face a team that was kind of struggling a little bit, and they suck. So let's see if they can bounce back. Now, it's a little bit different because uh, still not great, but at least it was outside. So uh, completely different circumstances. But uh, give me your takes. 960-960. We're going to hear from some of the particulars coming up uh, here in the first segment. Overall, a very frustrating, like it was cool. I was up in Edmonton, um, a, a fun time, as much fun as one can have up in Edmonton. Um, it, fun just being around it, different energy there, I guess significantly different energy for Edmonton. Um, but at the end of the day, it still kind of had like that, that same feeling where it was okay, that this was neat and all, but now we're going to get back to your regularly scheduled programming, which is this team is just simply not good enough. That was my takeaway from the weekend. What was yours? Give me your takes. 960-960. Uh, Flames fan Terry texting in. As a diehard Flames fan, I don't know how much longer I can take being the Oilers uh, perennial little sister. It's one thing to lose to them in front of 60,000 people, but to do it, okay. Um, look, I thought the Flames jerseys were fine this weekend, but the the, the fact remains, like, it is. It was one thing when the Flames were kind of stuck in that middle ground, and it was okay. Uh, well, at least the Oilers aren't doing very well either. And now the Oilers have the best player in the world, and boy, he looked it. But he wasn't even their best player, I thought, on Sunday night. Um, so it's it is a little frustrating to be consistently lapped by the Edmonton Oilers on a weekly basis uh the flame flames you play to win the game hello signed herm edwards i i don't know they, they haven't looked like they've played to win the game a whole lot recently um and we got some cfl takes on the text line so off to a rousing start um the flames i was gonna say got off to a better start they didn't uh the oilers controlled almost every inch of that hockey game um but at least coach huska looked cool in his outfit uh he spoke with the media after the game we hear that now what was the big difference tonight between the two teams um, the start, I think they were the team that had the pace early on in tonight's game. And then I think one of the other, um, differences I would say was their, 
second goal after our power play when they capitalize on that two-on-one chance. Right side up front. Ryan, maybe two kind of at, at once. What did you think the issue was at the start, and at what point did you feel like you guys got to your game tonight? I thought we were waiting for something to happen instead of going after it and attacking the game. So we were sitting back. I thought one team was skating and one wasn't in, in the first period. I thought in the second and third period we got better, and we had a lot more zone time from that point. And then once you get into the zone, you have to find a way to be um, a little bit more dynamic offensively uh, in order to, to generate some five-on-five -five chances. Third row in the middle. Hey, Ryan. Uh, hey, it's hey. right over here. Yeah. It's been some time since this team has been able to score more than two goals in a game. Just yeah. curious from your vantage point why it's been so frustrating for this team to produce offensively as it's been over the last little while. Why has it been frustrating? No, like how would you explain, or sorry, I'm not wording the question right, yeah. but just how would you explain why this team has not been able to produce offensively? Well, it's the, the one thing for me, it starts like the first period did. You know, if we're not um, skating and we're not going to uh, try to work to make things happen, you're sitting back and hoping things are happening, then you're going to spend some time in your zone. And then guys start to grip the sticks a little bit tight and they force plays through the middle and you end up turning a lot of pucks over. Once you get pucks in behind uh, a defense, whatever team it is in the league, uh, any sort of pressure, you're going to get your opportunities. And I think once it starts to go, it, it's going to come a little bit more freely. Like we've had some games where we've had some great chances where goaltenders have made saves on us. So we're in one of those those ruts right now, but it'll it'll change. Left side, second row. Sorry, in the back on the left. Uh, Ryan, you've had you've had Kadri, Hubro, and Coronado together and, and apart for a little bit this season. Just your assessment of that uh, line tonight for you? Um, I. I thought they were quiet tonight, is the way I could say it. Yeah, I thought they were quiet. And, and th th I think Hubro and Kadri, their ice time has been reduced a little bit in recent games. Do you want to maybe see a little bit more of those two? Or? Um, well, I don't know if it's more. I mean, you, you look for everybody can be a difference maker in their own way. Like some guys are hard to play against. Some guys are, are like speedsters. Some guys are tenacious around the net. So understanding what makes them really good hockey players and then looking to be a difference maker is, is important. So that's something that we need from, from those two guys for sure. They're key players for us and they're very good players and we need, we need to see that consistently. Ryan, Jeremy, Jeremy Freeborn with the Calgary Hockey Magazine back here. So oh, yeah. you bet, no problem. Um, what was it like for, from you for, from a coaching perspective, co coaching outdoors? Did, did, did you have to make too many adjustments along, along the way? Uh, there, were, there weren't a lot of adjustments in regards to the way the game is played, no. I mean, we, we had our practice last night where you get the guys used to um, the difference in depth uh, in regards to the stadium seating being so far away, the size of it, all that stuff. But during the game, there wasn't, there wasn't a lot. I thought the ice was good tonight. The boards were lively at times, but um, players became aware of that fairly quickly. Right side, second row. Uh, you, you just mentioned that things will change offensively and as a whole, and the, the season kind of goes in stages. What needs to change specifically? I think there needs to be consistency. Um, you know, like we, we've talked a lot in Calgary about our, our struggles early on this year of taking care of the puck. Like, we seem to be every time there's a little bit of pressure, we want to throw it into the middle of the ice. Well, that's a recipe for a turnover. Um, so we have to get ourselves um, committed to, in situations like that, putting it behind and bringing speed to the puck. And whether you call that uh, boring hockey or whatever it is, it's, it's effective. And we started to play that a little bit better in the second and third period, and it allowed us to get some more time. Right side. Ryan, this might be overlapping with the last question, yeah. but 
what makes you optimistic right now? Like with what you're seeing, obviously your group's in a tight, tough stretch, but what makes you optimistic? I'm always optimistic. Uh, one, our goaltender is playing some elite hockey right now. I think that's always a real important thing. Um, two, I know the type of people that we have in our room. Like it's not anything that all of a sudden, hey, this is going to be great. You have to fight your way through these things. So you have to come to the rink every day expecting it to be really hard and actually embracing that a little bit right now. And I think that's where we have to go. And I think we have a lot of guys in our room that are willing and capable of doing that. We have time for two more. Left side. Ryan, how big a challenge has it been to find chemistry amongst your lines at five on five? That's a fair question. You know, and it, it has been right now. And, you know, you look at some of the players that we're uh, missing. Unfortunately, Adam couldn't play tonight. And, and he's a guy that has some chemistry with certain players. Um, you know, young Pelche and Rooney, they're, they're all different guys up front that we expect it to be in, in the mix. Um, but we have to get ourselves something soon. You know, you, you can't rely on, on one line to go out there and, and um, as a coaching staff, trust they're going to get the job done. You need more. Um, and that just means people taking it on themselves a little bit. You know, they have roles, they have responsibilities, and they have to make sure they're at their very best. Last question, back right. Ryan, when your guys go home tonight and they're away from their colleagues and their work environment, what do you want them to think about this? What lesson do you want them to take from this particular game? Well, I, you know, I, <laughs> you have to learn the lessons. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. So I like the guys if, um, when they get an opportunity to watch their shifts and they watch it um, the proper way, if they hold themselves accountable and if they really start to recognize that there is a certain way that's going to allow us to have success, we'll start playing that way and, and we will be successful. Well, I hope so. Uh, there was Coach Huska after the Heritage Classic yesterday. Um, I don't love all of the decisions uh, that have been made by the coach, but my dude was looking sharp on that bench, right? The paper boy hat? I thought he I thought he rocked it. Like it looks dumb on me. It was pretty good. I liked it. I thought he I kinda, looked I really want one of those jackets. Yes. Hundred percent. I want like I thought it was a nice touch. Even Mark Savard rocking the eye black last night. I thought that was Yeah, uh, that was cool. Yeah, that that's one where like if I do that, I look stupid. But former NHLer <laughs> Mark Savard, that looks real good. But yeah, I, I am with off. you. Uh by the way, Cam and Taylor, I forgot to introduce before. Hello. Um, they're producing this fine show today and doing their damnedest to keep me on the rails. Um, but yes, Taylor, I agree. Uh, those jackets need to be made available uh, immediately. And if someone, my, my birthday is coming up here. Uh, so if someone wanted to get me a couple, I am, I'll conservatively say XL, but we're bordering on 2XL at this point. <laughs> Uh, so if anyone, I, I'm comfortably in a 2XL at least, so that's nice. So like if a husky wanted, medium. Yeah, <laughs> a very husky <laughs> medium. Um, but no, like the, this is, the, there's just, there's a lot of frustration going around, right? And the, the weird thing is you see on the text line, like I we get them, like it's all a, a list rattled off here and mixed in with the, is Klein back for good? I'm not, uh, Logo's back Wednesday. Um, there is, there's a lot of different notes. And the problem is, a lot of different ones. And the, the thing is, y'all have a point. <laughs> you know, why is Hunt on the power play? Yeah, I don't know. Why is Greer almost scoring power play goals? My first note after the Flames pulled their goalie was Hunt with a chance. Dot, dot, dot. Why did Hunt have a chance? Why? What, what is he doing out there? Um, that There's just a lot of decisions being made right now that I don't necessarily agree with. And then um, the people who are being placed with the opportunity to execute on said decisions aren't playing very well. It's just, it's an organizational 
um, problem right now that, that this thing needs to get back on track. Uh, one of the players who kind of got back on track in this game, Nazem Kadri, he ends up getting a goal uh, desperately needed. You could see some relief in that celebration after he also spoke with the media following it yesterday's Heritage Classic. No, it's maybe just when you look at tonight, what, what did you think was the difference as this game went on? Um, well, to start, I think they, uh, you know, kind of outplayed out us in the first 10 minutes and you know, scored a couple of goals there and, uh, you know, we were chasing, so um, just that start. Those two five-on-threes, is that is that almost the game itself where you squandered those and mm -hmm. put you behind the eight ball? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, uh, I don't know if we scored towards the end of one or was that five-on-four? I'm not quite sure what the time one was looking like. Um, but, yeah, of course, I mean, uh, you know, got to try to find a way to, to score a goal. Um, Maybe multiple, but you know you got to give them credit. They they did a pretty good job on the PK tonight and uh, got in some lanes. But you know, ideally you'd like to score more. Does it does it concern you that this team can't seem to score at five on five with consistency? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, we got to find ways to, to be able to do it. Uh, at the end of the day, I think you know you, you got to just kind of stay with the process, even though it's frustrating right now. And uh, you know. Everyone seems seems frustrated, but you know that's just what it is. Tomorrow's a new day. We're gonna turn the page and uh, try to win the next one. How do you explain the start tonight? Uh, slow. Um, you know, you kind of expect them. Obviously, at home uh, in a big game like this, a lot of hype around it. You you kind of expected them to come out hot, and, and they did. And uh, you know, we we responded in a way, but you know, at the end of the day, they you know got those two, and then like I said, we were just playing catch up. So. Uh, yeah, just ideally, uh, like to give up uh, maybe a goal less. How do you make sure that urgency doesn't turn into panic in this stretch? You gotta have composure and poise. You know, um, it's a long season. Uh, obviously, you know things happen where you know you get agitated and you get uh, frustrated. But you know that's the sport of hockey. That's professional sports. I mean, if you can't fight adversity, then you're doing the wrong thing. So uh, you know, for us, it's about trying to rally together and uh, you know finding a way out. Is there anything that can be done off the ice to kind of keep guys grounded when things just aren't really going right? I don't think so. I mean, we, we uh, you know, we're putting in work. It's, this is not a, a work ethic thing. It's uh, more so just, you know, a, a bounce here or there, and, you know, the, the game would change. You know, the game would be, uh, you know, it's, it's a game of momentum, and sometimes when uh, things aren't going your way, you feel like you're behind the eight ball all the time, and I think that's where we're at right now. But, um, you know, we're, we're, we're certainly not going to quit. Last season there was that seven-game losing streak to start the season. Is there a sense that you obviously don't want to repeat that? So how do you stop this right now then? Um, just play better. Find a way. You know, find a way. It's it's as simple as that. Of course, like I mentioned, guys, it's you know it's one of those things. Nobody enjoys losing in that dressing room, right? It's very uh, it's very uh, we take it very personal, and uh, we got a lot of pride. So you know, at the end of the day, you know I think you know guys are going to be able to you know look at themselves and be accountable and, and uh, you know, we'll have better performances. Asim, I thought there were a couple of positives tonight. I thought E.J. Greer played, played, played mm -hmm. very well and then Mackenzie Weger. Maybe, maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, of course. Point. Yeah, they, they, they did play well tonight. And uh, I think in stretches, a lot of other guys played well as well. But, you know, that's what hockey is, you know, especially when you're playing against dangerous players. You know, you have five, ten-minute lapses. You end up, you know, um, it's, it's a goal against. So, um, you know, for those guys, they just got to continue uh, – you know, to simplify and play their game. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they play well tonight. So there was Nazem Kadri after uh, yesterday's loss at the hands of the Edmonton 
Oilers. What are the other bright spots? And I know I'm kind of focusing on bright spots. It won't be that ultra, I promise. Um, but uh, one of the other bright spots continues to be the line of Manjapani, Backlund, and Coleman. Uh, Michael Backlund, obviously, is the captain of the Calgary Flames. Also had a chance to catch up with the media, or I guess they had a chance to catch up with him uh, following the game yesterday. Michael, just uh, if you can, give us uh, an assessment of what you uh, seen and felt out there tonight. I thought they were the better team the first. We were a little hesitant. Um, they yeah, got that lead, and I thought in a second we played better with a better team. I thought you know, we walked, uh, worked our way back in the game, 3-2 uh, going third, and they got that fourth one, and uh, you know we pushed. Um, yeah, it wasn't good enough. Is that, that funny bounce that led to that goal, is that just almost symbolic of the way your season's gone? I don't know. Um, I mean, today we played better than we had in some other games, but yeah, in the end here, we, you know, we got to dig deep here now and, um, you know, roll up our sleeves um, and then really, really come out next game and find a way to win. This wasn't a work ethic issue, right? Like the last game, this was a much improved effort work-wise. Yeah, at times, though, we were a little sloppy at the lines and, you know, we know they're a really good rush team and, the, you know, the players they have, you got to be careful with the puck, especially with the ice. You know, ice was good, but it's a little chippy out there with the cold. And uh, um, so at times we weren't as careful um, as we should have been. And uh, uh, that's when they got their looks. And um, But yeah, effort-wise, you know, everyone chipped in and gave it all. Everyone was excited to play tonight. And um, yeah, it's tough that we came short. You, you said yesterday one team's going to wake up feeling a lot better Monday morning. Obviously, it's not you guys. How, how do you sort of weather this early volunteering? Yeah, we got to keep believing. Uh, we have a really good team here. Um, I believe in the guys. Uh, you know, we got to stick with it. Um, to play with effort tonight and clean some things up. We're, we're going to win games eventually, and we got to stick with it. Uh, like I said, I know we have a really good group. Uh, which, you know, we gotta just push legs a little harder here until we get that win, and then uh, things you know fall into place, and we'll feel a lot better. Does, does it concern you a little bit just how this team can't seem to score frequently at five on five? No, it doesn't concern me. It's uh, you know something we gotta work on, uh, obviously, and um, it's a tough start. Uh, but I know we're capable of scoring more, and I can't. I know we have a lot of good players down there, so I know it's gonna come. I Michael, if you have sure a chance, to just just talk about about the atmosphere out there. What, 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 how special was it to, to represent the Flames and the National Hockey League in, in an environment like like, like tonight? Yeah, it was great. Uh, it's always exciting to get a special game like this, an outdoor game. Um, you know, it looked like it was sold out arena. Uh, the Jets flying over, um, Nicky Black here. You know, um, you know I, everything going on before. It was just yeah. Really, really cool atmosphere. You know, playing two touch before it'll, uh, the fans right there. It is special. Um, again, it's too bad we didn't find a way to win. What's that? What's that room like right now? Well, we're disappointed, and right now, fresh off a loss. Um, you know, tomorrow day off. Um, we'll uh, refocus, uh, get back to a normal regular season, um, and uh, you know, focus on next game. Um, like I said, we know we have a good team here, and we know we can turn. We, we are going to turn this around and uh, start winning games. What, what is the key to getting on the score sheet more frequently in these tight games? Well, today, um, you know, we could have had a little more traffic and bodies at net. That's how they scored their winning goal. It was a shot from the point, a little bounce, and the puck was in. Um, we could have done a little better job with that. Uh, I think we can get a little, a little dirtier around the net and a little more direct, uh, attack the net more.
Is there a lesson in, in what happened early? Because you, you guys put yourself obviously far enough behind that you you couldn't come back. Is there a, a lesson in, in what the start proved to be? Yeah, I mean, I think most of the games this year we had good starts, uh, except for a couple of games. And tonight, one of those games where, um, you know, we sat back a little bit and gave them a little too much respect, I think, with the, the players they have. Um, you know, Connor coming back and all that. and. Uh, um, but you know, when we started playing the way we can, um, at the end of that first period and the beginning of the second, we were we were a better team. Michael, as the captain, is there a message you're trying to give to your your, your teammates at this time? Oh yeah, I just believe uh, that we are a good team, good players. We are going to turn this around, and we got to stick with it and fight even harder. That fight continues on Wednesday when the Flames take on the Dallas Stars. One more here before we hit the break. Uh, noted goal scorer A.J. Greer getting his first as a Flame in the, uh, the the loss. He spoke with the media following yesterday's game as well. A.J., I really appreciate the time tonight. Just uh, how, how did you see this one out there tonight? Uh, it was good. I mean, it was an unbelievable And, uh, you know, we're fortunate enough that uh, Steve Red and the Calgary fans showed out for us. Um, Listen, anyway, it was a tough game, tough conditions, and, and I think uh, in the first period we had a little nerves, but uh, we, we gave it to them in, in the second period. Third period we fell short. Uh, we got to clean some stuff up, but uh, yeah, and it's, it's, it's a tough stretch here with uh, not not getting a win out, um, and we, we got to figure something out. So I, I won't, uh, you know, I won't sugarcoat it. It's tough. It's, it's, I think that the guys want to win. There's a will to win in this room. I don't think there's anyone that doesn't want to win or doesn't want to do everything they can to help this team. So it's just a matter of uh, now, you know, executing and making sure that we consistently do the right things. The uh, you, you talk about the tough conditions. Was that was that? Uh, I, I'm just curious as to what it was like out there on the ice tonight, and and how that that played into it for how the game was played. Yeah, it was. I mean, the ice wasn't too great, but it was just. Um, I think nerves in general, and that, and just you know, being in in such a, a different, you know, uh, different kind of mindset, and um, I don't know, it, you know, it was a great experience overall. But uh, I think the, the nerves got the best of us in the first period. Okay. You can't let that happen, uh, you know, early on in the game. What uh, what did you see on the the goal that you scored, AJ? Walk us through how that all came about from from your viewpoint. Uh, there was just a, a change by one of our forwards. I hopped on the ice. Mackenzie um, had a, a partial break. He made a nice move at the blue line to beat the defenseman. Went wide, um, shot a far pad. Uh, I had my stick down going to the net in the slot, and the puck uh, just you know came right to me, and and I batted it away. Um, you know you always kind of want those opportunities and got to be ready for them so fortunate enough to go uh go in the net and you know give, give us uh, a chance to, to win the game so it was a great play by by weeks and uh, a final thought for you aj just you, you talked about the will to win and how everybody is is committed to working their way out of this right now what's it going to take in in your opinion what needs to happen for for that to start to turn around uh it's just staying consistent in, in what we value and what we uh, each each one of us brings to the table um, as far as players. Uh, you know, we got guys who do different things in the lineup, and uh, those different things have to come come out every single night, every single shift. Um, and we got to, you know, we got to be hard on puck. We, we got to have some jam and, and be there to 
to support each other and play as a team. I'm, I'm sure enough we're going to get out of this. Right now it's tough. I know it's tough for, for the fans, for the city, and, and, and everyone around us. And you, I just want to say it's even tougher for us. But we're doing everything we can, and, and we're sticking up as a group to, to make sure that we're doing everything that uh, we can to, to perform every night. And we're going to get out of this, and I'm sure we're going to have a successful season. Um, but stay with us. AJ, really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Good luck on Wednesday, hey? Yeah, thank you. So there is uh, AJ Greer coming off of a goal in the Heritage Classic against the Edmonton Oilers. We will have more reaction um, from this game coming up in hour two as we look at what's wrong and how do we fix it? Should we fix it? That and more coming up uh, in hour two of the program. Uh, This is... Sorry. Sportsnet Today, coming to you from the DL Basement Systems downtown studio. Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation Walls. We have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They are all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Some football chat coming up next. Emily Sadler from sportsnet.ca joining us to run down everything that happened in week eight of the NFL. That is next. Sportsnet Today, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Continuing on with Sportsnet today on a Monday, my name is Peter Klein. Happy Sports Equinox to all who celebrate with Major League Baseball, the NBA, the NHL, and the NFL all going today. Beautiful, beautiful time to be a sports fan. Very happy to welcome down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, Emily Sadler from Sportsnet.ca, wrapping up the week in the National Football League. Emily, thank you for doing this today. How are you? I'm good, Peter. Thanks for having me. Hey, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, I think the the marquee game of the day going into yesterday was probably San Francisco against Cincinnati. Um, the the 49ers, the, the skid kind of continues now. How concerned should the 49ers be at, at the, the latest series of events that have them in a bit of a slide? Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, when you start out 5-0 and and then you go and lose three straight, I think any time that happens, you can reasonably kind of be concerned. I mean, we're so used to the 49ers just winning all the time. You know, that's been the narrative all all season is that they are just that good. They're the best team in football right now. Um, this It feels like it's sort of uncharted territory, but it actually isn't. Um, when I looked at last season's schedule and how, how that season panned out, of course, we remember the end and the 10-game win streak But almost exactly a year ago, you know, San Francisco was in a really similar position. They're coming off a bad loss to the Chiefs. They had a three and four record. Of course, right now they're five and three, so they're miles ahead. Um, And they had really kind of gone through a bit of a stumble. Um, And of course, we all kind of know how that ended. They had just acquired Christian McCaffrey. That trade worked out just fine. Obviously, I'm not saying, hey, go out and find another star running back. There's no one else like McCaffrey. But I think that they can kind of rely on the stars that they have, um, like your McCaffrey. I, th- I think with a Brock Purdy, it's, it feels like a little bit of a – maybe he was getting too much credit for the wins and maybe he's getting a little bit too much blame for the losses. I think we also kind of can't underestimate just the impact of some of their injuries. But, again, this is not uncharted territory – They've dealt with injuries in seasons past, and they've found a way to get through them. So I think I'm sort of, you know, I'm maybe a little bit cautious, maybe a little bit realizing, okay, they are mortal, but I'm not altogether uh, super worried at this stretch. So we're not considering benching uh, Purdy for for Sam Darnold at this point yet? (laughs) 
I I think no, but I mean, stranger things have happened. I've definitely said some things on this very show, and then the opposite happens. So who knows, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's basically all I do um, for the I, right? <laughs> <laughs> for for the opposition. Uh, the, the Cincinnati Bengals they were a team that everyone was panicking on, and now that's a, a good win for them. And it, it's kind of seems like what we're getting the, the Bengals that we all expected to get uh, coming into the season. Uh, I guess from from one end of how concerned should we be to the other end of how excited should Bengals fans be that it kind of seems like they're back now. Yes. Um, I almost, okay, they should be, of course, thrilled. Part of me is like, should they be a little annoyed? Should we all be a little bit annoyed at Joe Burrow and the Bengals <laughs> for coming out of the gates and just stumbling and making us all, you know, everyone's always kind of afraid to count the Bengals out in these last couple of years with Joe Burrow. We've seen what he can do. We've seen what Jamar Chase can do. And yet they get off to these really slow starts. And then, This season, they kind of had us fooled almost again. Like, it got to the point where we were like, actually, yeah, I am legitimately concerned about the Bengals. And then, of course, they go on this hot streak. They looked amazing yesterday against the 49ers. They looked like last year's Bengals. Um, When you have have Joe Burrow and you have Jamar Chase and they're not operating like you expect them to – That's always a concern. But then when you see what they did yesterday and when you see what they did before their bye, I think we can reasonably say um, a resounding yes, they are back. Um, I'm I'm personally really excited to see how they do against the Bills. I find that that's, of course, a really, really intriguing matchup for next Sunday. Um, But I'm I'm kind of all in on on the Bengals and I'm glad they're back. I mean, there's such there's such a fun team to watch. I think the other thing, too, is I, I talk about them looking like last year's team. They might even be better. I mean, when you look at their hmm. defense and what they've been able to do, um, I think maybe, yeah, I, I have no explanation. I don't know if anyone has an explanation other than, of course, the calf injury for Burroughs' slow start. But I think when you look at what they might be capable of down the stretch, they're going to be just fine. It'll, it'll definitely be an interesting race to watch in that division. Yeah, and the, if they're going to play catch-up here, they definitely have the, the opponents to do it against. Like you mentioned, Sunday night against the Bills. In a couple of weeks, they're in Baltimore. They still have two against Pittsburgh. They are at Kansas City for one, and then they close the city uh, against the Cleveland Browns. So if they have figured out what was ailing them, and maybe it was just Joe Burrow's calf, uh, but if they have figured that out, they, they definitely have the opponents to, to try to catch up against. Are, are we just kind of, assu- I don't even want to say are we assuming, but where do they kind of in the hierarchy of the AFC stack up for you now? Mm, that's a good question. Um, yeah, it's 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 hard, and as I mentioned before, like it's frustrating that they got off to these slow starts because they're automatically behind the eight ball. And when you look at the AFC North in particular, like it's so gridlocked, and Baltimore was able to, um, you know, jump out to that six and two. But I would definitely put them as you know far better than what their record indicates, of course. And I I think when you look at when you look at maybe last year's Um, when you look at just like the heavy hitters from the last couple of years, I mean, they always cause problems for the Chiefs and we always put the Chiefs atop the AFC. I mean, they're definitely one of those top four teams. If they, if they weren't, I guess I'll say if they were in any other division, I would say, yeah, there's, there's not much standing in the way of them getting that division title. But of course, when you're in the AFC North, it's definitely, definitely tricky. 
Uh, one team that does not have to worry about a tricky division is the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they do fall to yeah. a, they do fall to a division opponent, uh, but that is certainly not the norm recently for Kansas City. But I, I feel like um, the, the Chiefs are good for just as we think. Like okay. Maybe we don't know who all these receivers are, but they're, they're starting to pick it up. They're good for one loss that just puts a bit of a uh, bit of a scare into us. As we approach the, the deadline tomorrow, do you think that this is a Kansas City Chiefs team coming off of a nine point performance against Denver that needs to go out and make a move for a, a bit more of a, a reliable pass catching option? Yeah, that one's hard to say because I always find the NFL trade deadline really interesting, right? Like when we when we look at the NHL deadline, I feel like it's so much more clear cut or the NBA trade deadline where you can really see the kind of impact that a player can have immediately. But football is so hard to join a team like mid season. And I, I think, you know, I can point to one of the trades last year that really has not panned out like they intended. And that was when the chiefs brought in Kadarius Tony from the giants, you know, he was kind of expected to maybe like, okay, maybe he can finally blossom as a pass catcher with someone as elite as Patrick Mahomes throwing him the ball. But hasn't really panned out and and that trade was actually almost exactly a year ago now um and and so i'm sort of of the mindset that the chief's solution is already in the building um i've really liked what i've seen from their rookie rishi rice he's really quickly kind of become this really reliable set of hands of course no one is going to take the top spot from travis kelsey um but you know bringing back michael hardman from the jets um i I'm just I'm hesitant to say go out and find your solution because when you have a team that is as um, chemistry heavy, I think as the Chiefs, I really feel like the solution is in the building. And if you're going to go out and get someone, you know, maybe try to bulk up your defense, which has been excellent. Of course, um, maybe mine yesterday, but um, yeah, I'm I'm hesitant to sort of say yes, they need to go out and and bring in another weapon there. Yeah, I think because we see the success of like a Christian McCaffrey in San Francisco, there's this like, yeah, just go out and get a, a super talented guy and that's going to be that. But you're right. Absolutely. Like there's so there's so much of this sport that is chemistry based, right? Like you hear Mahomes talk about when he was when they were obviously trying to get Travis Kelsey a touchdown in uh, the first Taylor Swift game. Um, and he was like, yeah, I knew Kelsey wasn't going to actually run his route. So I knew where he was going and I would find him. Like there's so much of the sport that is just like, yeah, I know what we called, but I knew what he was going to do. So I just did it. Um, and it, it's tough to just manufacture that when you're bringing someone in mid season. So while, while we do like you play Madden and trade for eight guys at the deadline, it, it's a yeah. bit more difficult in, in this sport with, with everything that you kind of need chemistry wise. Yeah, absolutely. And I think when you look at the positions that do tend to thrive, you know, you're looking at your edge rushers, you know, bringing in some muscle there. Um, Obviously, yeah, as we've talked about, the Christian McCaffrey trade, that worked out pretty well. Yeah. Um, But that's the exception. And I mean, he is the exception in so many ways, right? And so it really is, it really is tricky, you know, when we're talking about even some quarterbacks who could be on the move it's just not as easy as sort of a plug and play. So that's mm-hmm. why I've, I always find it really interesting this time of year. Uh, I, I do have a quarterback that I want to bring up about uh, being on the move in, in a little bit. Um, as we chat here with eminently Sadler from sportsnet.ca. Uh, the reason that this quarterback who I want to bring up could potentially be on the move is the play of a rookie in yesterday's game as Will Levis comes in and balls out. 
against the Atlanta Falcons with a, a four touchdown performance. Um, now, being a rookie quarterback and having DeAndre Hopkins to throw to probably helps a little bit. But uh, before yeah. we get into bigger picture, what does this mean for the Tennessee Titans? What did you make of the, the player whose draft stock plummeted a season ago and now here he is making his debut for the Titans? Yeah, I think, I mean, that was one of, there were a lot of great stories yesterday. That was obviously at the top of the list. It's it's the kind of story we just, you want to dive right into it, right? It's It kind of has all the makings of, as you just said, his draft stock was falling. Um, he's got this big arm, but, you know, what can he, what can he really do on the football field? There were a lot of questions about who he was as a quarterback and, and I don't know that we we didn't really get all of those answers, but we got a really great show of it yesterday of what he can do and some of his potential. It's always it's always hard not to overreact to those moments, right? When you get that rookie coming out midseason, making his debut, and you know proving the doubters wrong. Um, I love this for Will Levis. I thought it was so fun to watch. Um, and of course, being able to see that instant chemistry with DeAndre Hopkins, but it's also it, it's hard, right? Because you want to just like dive right in, but it's also you know there's no there's no film on this guy. I think there yeah. there's reason to expect um, some growing pains ahead. But I mean, as far as what we can expect from a debut, like that's as good as you're going to get. And so I think it's promising. I think like. I'm going to let myself kind of get excited about maybe what he can do with that team. And, but also I'm extra intrigued now as to like how the Titans move forward, because that was, um, I will say that was a very unexpected debut from Will Levis. I, I would have expected um, a little more mixed results. So yeah, kind of how they go forward from here will be really interesting to watch. I have a, a buddy who's a Titans fan who messaged me when we did a fantasy football segment last week. And he's like, I, I, ha- I didn't have a chance to listen. I'm assuming a ton of Titans questions. I was like, no, we just know it's going to be a juggernaut. So, of course, no questions at all. And then they go yeah, up and, no, no. Yeah, and then they go out and light the world on fire. It's like, oh, wow, they were actually kind of a juggernaut uh, against Atlanta. <laughs> This automatically does bring up trade questions around Ryan Tannehill, right? Because now you have a young quarterback for a young team or a team that is going to look to get younger um, comes out and just balls out. So that seems to make him available. Also, the quarterback who half of the league had traded to in rumors at one point um, had his Achilles rip apart yesterday. So now for a league that has so many quarterback needy teams, and a, a distinct lack of quarterbacks available, Ryan Tannehill certainly does seem like a, a pretty viable option. Do you think that we get a, a Ryan Tannehill move in the next 24 hours or so? It's so, I mean, it's so hard to know because he also, I feel like his playing status is also just like clear as mud, right? He's mm-hmm. been dealing with this high ankle sprain, which I don't really have a good sense to you of like, okay, when can we expect him back? And, and you know, maybe as we've just been talking about, because, um, you know, it's hard to just plug right into a lineup. Maybe that's okay. He's still going to be sidelined for a couple of weeks, learn the playbook with a new team, and then when he's good and healthy, he can plug right in. I, yeah, it, it's, a, it's such a, a hard question to answer. I do think that the fit could make sense um, with, say, a Minnesota. I find that, like, pretty intriguing, actually. Um, and I think we can say with a fair amount of confidence that, like, that you know that union between the Titans and Tannehill, it's it's come to its conclusion. I think I think the Titans are ready to move on 
Obviously, we'll see kind of what other moves they do at the deadline. But yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, the quarterback market is not rich in quarterbacks <laughs> available. Like when I, I just did a quick search, one that I will say, and I'm not sure, intriguing is not the right word when you're talking about Andy Dalton, but I'm about to say it. <laughs> I'm kind of interested, like, what, if, what about like an Andy Dalton? Or what about like a Case Keenum? What about Case Keenum going back to Minnesota? He's got some history there. I'm just sort of looking at other names Ryan Tannehill in the mix or, you know, looking at some backups even. I don't know if Washington would part with a Jacoby Brissett, but he would actually be on the top of my list. So I didn't really answer your question. I think I just made the waters even muddier, but <laughs> I'm I'm definitely I'm I'm intrigued by a Tannehill to Minnesota. I think that kind of works. Cousins is the most mobile guy anyways, neither is Tannehill. Maybe we can make something work there, but Certainly, when you look at an example like a quarterback team such as Minnesota, they're probably really actually the best situation for a quarterback to go into. They have a lot of great weapons. Justin Jefferson should be back pretty soon, I think. Mm -hmm. So that's actually, if I was a quarterback on the trade block, I certainly wouldn't mind going to Minnesota. Yeah, having a chance to throw to the best receiver in the league probably would help make a a bit of a cushier landing spot. Yeah, I'd be cool with that. Yeah, yeah. And maybe you didn't directly answer the question, but you brought up international man of intrigue, Andy Dalton. So, I mean, how how can I get upset? Um, I mean, how can you not be intrigued? Right. right. Yes. <laughs> Way just, to stir up the drama. Yeah, an enigma trapped in a riddle. That one. Um, but I, I think that there's all of these questions because you look around the league, and to be like perfectly blunt. Quarterback play kind of sucks this year. Like there, there is a lot of really yeah. bad quarterbacks last week. And you, you look at some of these teams like Atlanta feels like they have everything but the quarterback figured out. Now, Minnesota probably falls I- into that same thing. I-, I would say Washington maybe as well. Um, the, the Jets continue to somehow win. Um, and they have a matchup against the Chargers next week where I think the football is just going to explode mm. with how oh weird both of those teams have been. Like th- there are, really I, I would I put Cleveland there as well because we don't know what's going on with Deshaun Watson. There are so many teams teams who feel like they are a quarterback away from really making a good run at this thing. I think that's why there's a bit more added intrigue this year around people like Andy Dalton and uh, Ryan Tannehill. And until yesterday, Kirk cousins, like it just, it feels like so many teams just need that one missing piece and they could actually be quite dangerous in this league. You're so right. And I don't mean to uh, drag Daniel Jones through the mud for a minute, but you can kind of see when you've just listed off all those issues, how the Giants re-signed Daniel Jones last offseason. Like, yeah. it's, it's so hard to find your guy. And so when you find someone who vaguely resembles even a starting quarterback, it's easy then to see how these, you know, how these contracts get signed or, or I mean, just, yeah, like how desperate teams are to get that guy. I mean, you look at the Browns, as you mentioned, and they thought they had it all figured out. And, of course, that is probably like the murkiest quarterback situation right now yeah um I mean for so many reasons but if we're just talking about the injury situation yeah like that is just such a a weird situation yeah you look at the Jets just they really are forced to make it work with Zach Wilson he's had his highs he's had many lows but it just sort of feels like okay well this is what we're going with and it it's it makes it makes these interest these these injuries so you know heartbreaking and and just also just frustrating you know you just you want to see these teams that have such good rosters you just want to see them be able to plug in that missing piece just to really 
like just to really get to watch what these teams can do. Yeah. And I think part of it too is receiver is so deep and so talented. Um, we, yeah. we saw two of the best this week go at it um, with AJ Brown doing his thing. Tyree kill doing uh, doing his thing as well. I get like, there isn't even really much of a question here. Just like talk about how awesome those dudes are for a minute. Oh my gosh. <laughs> They're just so fun. Like, it just makes football watching so fun. Like, yesterday was chaotic, that 1 p.m. window. Aren't there, like, nine games on at the same time? Like, you can't focus on any one game, and yet you're seeking out. Like, I think that's the best endorsement you can give to a team is, like, with all these games on, I am seeking out the Dolphins. I am seeking out the Eagles. I want to see what A.J. Brown can do. I want to see what Tyreek Hill can do. And the cool thing is, is that on any given week, like there's just someone also new coming out of the woodwork. Like you can rely on those guys to produce and not just points, but amazing highlights. But then when you look around the league at like, no one knew who Puka Nakua was at the beginning of the season. And then, and then he, he comes out and he's this highlight machine. And so it's just been, it's, it's been so fun to watch these talents. And I think obviously the, the one of the biggest, I think second half of the season stories is just going to be like, okay, we're on hill watch, we're on 2,000-yard watch, and I think there's there's very little doubt that he can do it. Um, and I think the really exciting thing would be to see him do it in 16 weeks and not 17 so that he doesn't have that asterisk. Not that he should anyways, but right. you know that people will kind of say, well, he had an extra game, but he's on pace to do it in 16. And so these are, I, these are historic, historically good wide receivers and so it's just fun sometimes to kind of sit back and and just like just watch and just enjoy the show uh and that's certainly what people will be doing tonight monday night football it is a a rivalry for the ages can't miss football anytime the raiders play the lions (laughs) uh just the the marquee matt i joked with uh, (laughs) matt marchese we had him on on friday the primetime games this week felt like yeah i don't know these suckers will watch anything uh, but <laughs> Lions Raiders, uh, it, it feels we will, won't we? We, we will, totally right? Will. Yeah, I'm joking, but I'm going to have You're my right. Bo Jackson jersey on tonight watching watching this while the World <laughs> Series is happening. Uh, but uh, it, it oh, feels man. like this is a spot for the Lions to go out and just put on a, a bit of a show. Do you see any resistance coming from the Raiders in this one? I mean, no. <laughs> I'm, I'm like so okay. I'm so hesitant to to like say anything with like, you know, just anything to be certain because as we see every week, like there are crazy upsets. I was last Monday on this show, I was telling Logan how like, I don't even know if we need to watch the Vikings versus 49ers. It's going to be a blowout for San Francisco. And then I just couldn't help but laugh because I was like, well, that did not go how I thought. But I mean, when you look at this matchup in particular, yeah, the Raiders just seem a little bit all over the map. And the Lions are a team that, like, they – no team needs a bounce back more than the Lions. Um, it was such an embarrassing um, whole production the last time they hit the field against Baltimore. And so I see this as, like, a pretty much no-brainer. Like, okay, Lions have to win this. I believe that they will, with the exception of maybe Max Crosby making a couple of – of great plays selfishly i would like for josh jacobs to do some good things on the football field <laughs> but um yeah this one this one feels like dare i say dare i say blowout i'm not even going to say that but 
I'm I'm hoping, I have to say, I am hoping for a Lions bounce back because they're a really likable team and I want to see them get back on track. Uh, Emily, this was uh, a lot of fun. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. Keep up uh, the great work and we'll chat again soon. Thanks so much. Sounds great. Enjoy the game tonight. I probably won't. Uh, that was uh, Emily Sadler um, from sportsnet.ca. Uh, you can find her on social media at Emmy Sadler. Uh, yeah, not the most marquee of Monday Night Football matchups tonight on the schedule. Uh, that is it for our number one here on Sportsnet today. Uh, we heard from the Calgary Flames at the top of the hour. All of this will be available in podcast form in a matter of moments. Uh, coming up in hour number two, Matty Rose is going to be stopping by to chat all things Calgary Stampeders and a bit of Heritage Classic as well. He was up in Edmonton uh, for the game, so we'll chat with him about that and get into it as it's CFL playoff time. Just a bit of a different feel once that calendar, uh, calendar flips to November. Uh, but coming up next, uh, another frustrating performance from the Calgary Flames last night. Your reaction to the Heritage Classic? What can be due to fix? Uh, can what can be done? Sorry to to fix this. We'll get into all of that as Sportsnet Today continues. Hour two next here on Sportsnet 960. The fan.